Today we are joined by the lovely Abby. Say hello. Welcome. And what are we discussing today, Rubyford? Rubyford. Yes. It is a very. That scene. Wait, I'll show you a picture. Okay. Oh, let me show you guys the the, the dog real quick. I'll be right back. to go back because he's really dirty. Okay, so we're, we're trying, we're going to try to cram all the Star Wars franchise movies into this episode, which I don't see how that's going to happen unless we talk super fast like we were, you know, at an auction, you know how they do like 25, 25, 25. Yeah, all right. We're not going to do that. Yeah. So. And today we are joined yeah. by super expert Star Wars fan, Abby. Are you, how big of a Star Wars fan are you? Um, well, I've watched like all of the movies a million times. Yeah. Um, I've seen them all collecting person. Yeah, I'm, I'm a very, very big, very big collector. Okay. So, um, uh, okay, so without further ado, we're going to get started with the first episode. With, wait, huh? wait. Are we doing this in order that they are released? Uh, chronological. Order? Chronological no. order. Why? Because that's the whole thing about Star Wars. You gotta, you know, the way that they were released. Freaking, they did that for a reason. Okay, like I, they had the first one that ever came out was in 1977. Yeah, that was the New Hope. A New Hope, and they did three, right? They did, yes. And that was in the middle that they started of the story. Yeah. So they started in the middle, and they did three films, which was A New Hope and. do that. Abby, do you want to start with the original trilogy or do you want to start with the prequels? Um, I'm, I'm 
one. Okay, let's do the original trilogy then. Alright, so right now we're going to start off in 1977. Mr. George Lucas just came out of making American Graffiti where he met his best friend and future star, Harrison Ford. Where they will go on to make a genius film known simply as Star Wars. Now... Abby, do you want to sing the Star Wars theme song with me? No, you can't it again. Oh. You don't want to? I don't think so. Well, okay, then I'll do it. Ruby, do you want to join me? Okay, go. Ba-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
sorry, could you repeat the question? Um, she was asking, uh, what do you think Darth Vader's endgame was with Leia when he, can, when he like, imprisoned her? Because he knows that she's his daughter, right? Uh, no, actually. He doesn't realize that until episode six. Really? So... Yeah? Yeah, yeah Ruby? What? Oh yeah, no. He he didn't know that um, that the baby survived at all until he met Luke. Okay, so he didn't know that the baby had been split off. They just had told him that Pad may die and, and the baby died too, or what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because at the end of Revenge of the Sith, uh, the Emperor basically told him, "Oh, you killed Padme, and that's it." And that he that's all he said. All he knows is that Padme died. Okay, okay. See, that was that was what I was asking. Okay. So. So in this grandiose intro to this epic space opera, uh, my question is to you: When you when when was the first time you guys seen this film, and what did you feel when first viewing it? We didn't see this film. We saw the film. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, excuse me. I didn't realize this was a grammar podcast. I am a fucking grammar Nazi, bro. You should already know that. Oh, okay. But That's the worst you. kind of Nazi. I know, right? Okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, what did you guys first think when you saw this film? Um, I, I, I mean, I immediately loved it. Uh, I mean, of course, it was shitty, you know, effects. you Abby uh yeah it was uh it was really mind-blowing for me as a kid I think it was the first sci-fi movie I'd ever seen and it uh it totally changed my life I was obsessed from, from the minute I saw it really yeah, how like who, like who didn't want a fucking lightsaber after seeing that right yeah oh snap so uh, how how obsessed were you? Uh, me? Yeah. Oh, um, well, I literally, like, within the year that I first saw Star Wars for the first time, I had already, like, absorbed all of the movies by themselves, but also the expanded universe that was the canon at the time. Um, I had already fully read up on basically everything that takes place after episode four, uh, six and everything, and I joined Star Wars forums at eight years old, um, theorizing about what would happen in episode three before it was released and, like, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
Oh, snap. So... Did you, did you like, Abby, did you like the way that they released the films? That they did middle, very beginning, and then very end? Yeah. Uh, she was asking, did you like the order of the uh, films that were released? Like, with the original trilogy and then the prequel trilogy? Um, honestly, I did. And I think... I. I don't ever plan on having kids, but if I ever did have kids, I would show them in release order as opposed to chronological order, because I feel like it's a stronger story seeing the original trilogy first and then seeing the prequel trilogy. Okay. So what did you... <laughs> so what did you guys... Oh, uh, well, wait till they're older. I don't know if they're that interested in it. Like, nowadays, they're more interested in, like, the Lego movie or, um, what's my son really into? Like, you see, it's like some kind of stuff that doesn't even make sense to yeah. me. I'm like, what the hell are you watching? It's bro? kind of funny because the guys who made the Lego movie was supposed to make a Star Wars film, but then they got fired. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And we'll talk about that in a little bit once we get there. And uh, so what did you guys think about uh, Luke when you first saw him? I mean, like, what do you mean? Did I, did I like him? Yeah, did you like him? Was he kind of like a whiny person? Was he kind of bleh? What do you think, Abby? Uh, me? Yeah. Uh, I actually liked him a lot more than I do now <laughs> of a character. I, he was actually my favorite character uh, whenever I first saw the movie, but my opinion has greatly changed since then. <laughs> really? Why, well, how did it change? Um, because mostly I... I ended up becoming a lot more attached to Han Solo. Oh, so you're into, like, the more bad boy type. Not initially, actually. Whenever I first watched A New Hope, I did not like Han. I didn't like him at all. <laughs> Why? Because you think it was like, oh, he only wants it for the money. Yeah. I thought he yeah, was annoying. Yeah, yeah. That, Han has a really good character arc because he goes from the guy Oh, snap. Uh, so, um, what did you guys, what did you guys think Leia's role in Solo's arc is on, in, is in the whole thing? What do you mean? Did, like, Leia help him become a better person? Did she convince him that it's not all about the money, it's about, you know, saving the galaxy? So, I, I think she played an important role of kind of 
reining him in and showing him that there's bigger things to care about than money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, he had a soft side for so that's what really he started thinking. Yeah. I think that's when we when we finally see the the cracks in the armor with Solo, with the cracks in the walls when he first meets Leia, and he finally realizes that maybe maybe being a uh, what was he was he a a smuggler? Yeah, he was a smuggler. Being a smuggler isn't all that great. Maybe there's a a higher purpose that I can be doing, um, and what we see it's it's. The thing about Star Wars is it's it's very reminiscent to World War Two, and it it's very much like uh, the Empire is very much like the Axis powers, and it's very much like how we see fascism and and all that, and how the uh, re- the rebels are like the Allies trying to destroy fascism and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. Now, what did you think about uh, Kenobi in the in Star in the New Hope? Right, and because um, it was, uh, they Lucas followed a traditional hero's journey in this, and one of the things about the hero's journey is the role of the mentor, uh, and that's what Kenobi is to Luke. And in the journey, in the traditional journey, the mentor is supposed to die really early on, so the protagonist could fully realize his potential on his own and that's what happens in this film too where Darth Vader uh, smites him down but then he becomes stronger than he can ever imagined is that the line is that was that the line yeah okay so um, what did you think Abby about Kenobi um it's hard to remember what I thought of him initially. Yeah. Because uh, being like a little seven-year-old girl, I didn't really, I don't think I really cared about like the, the wise old man type characters. Okay. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> as I've gotten older, I've definitely garnered like a much greater appreciation for his role in the trilogy and just the franchise as a whole. But especially in like episode four, he's like, you really do see the his sappiness that they bring to like the prequel trilogy and the Clone Wars series, and I love that. I yeah. love the idea of this like super sassy old man. Okay. Do you think <laughs> Do you think Kenobi was looking over Luke so he could fully realize his path to become a Jedi? Uh, Luke is given to Lars on Tatooine. 
is nearby. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So we meet Luke in the beginning of his journey, and then we go on into the climax of his journey and what is considered to be the greatest installment of Star Wars to date, The Empire Strikes Back. Now, what are our, what's our initial thoughts on this masterpiece of a film? Okay. <laughs> no, but um, you get to see. Uh, yeah, and the thing about yeah. You get to see, you know, give him the the lightsaber. Where this is where Ben uh, gives him. I mean, uh, Obi Wan gives him the lightsaber, right? Yeah. I think he gives him and gives it to him in A New Hope, saying it was his father's, and then he finally uses it in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's another great thing about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That we see him use it. Yeah. And that whole rescue, like at the beginning, with Han and Luke, where he had to, you know, cut open that animal. Oh yeah. Was in there. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. Would you guys? <laughs> would you guys do that? Oh snap! Well, what about you, Abby? Uh, I don't know. I want to be like, oh yeah, I totally could. But realistically, like. <laughs> but you're like on the edge of death. You're about to freeze. No, I would freeze yeah. to death with that animal. I'd be like, we're gonna both freeze here to death, little animal. I'm not gonna kill you. I would never do that. You're not gonna kill you, and then you t take out a burger and you just like stuff your face in. It. I don't know. Oh. Oh, okay, excuse me. So, um, there's that really epic, like that really uh, great turning point scene where uh, Luke is taken to that cave and he's hanging upside down, and that's when he finally uh, uses the Force, yeah. and that's when we learn that he actually. Has, I had to get taken by a Yeti. <laughs> oh yeah, a Yeti. I don't think that's what it's actually called. What do you know what it's called? Oh yeah. Do you know what it's actually called, Abby? Oh, Wampa. That's a Wampa. Oh, yeah, Wampa, yeah. You just got learnt, Ruby. I also, I also like that we, we um, get to first see those AT-ATs. You know, AT-ATs? Yeah. 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 Okay. You call them AT-ATs? I mean, I've heard, some other people call them AT-ATs. Are they AT-ATs? Oh, snap. Did you hear that, Ruby? <laughs> Abby just called you out. Okay, you never mind. No, ATAT is, is the, the proper way. No! It looks like I was in the wrong this whole time. It looks like I was called out. So, um, yeah, that was a pretty epic scene. Um, and uh, so, what do you guys... That's This is also the scene where Leia and Solo got mad at each other for whatever reason. And then Leia's like, you know what? I don't need you, and then she starts making out with Luke, like, oh. yep. which was, which is, with her brother, but she didn't know it was her brother, <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, in Lucas's defense, 
he has not written Leia to be his sister yet. Oh, he just he just thought about it later on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was written later. That's the thing about Luke Lucas is that he always makes up things on the spot. It seems like. Uh, yeah. And I've heard stories about him writing scripts on the way to set. What the hell? <laughs> he did that a lot in the prequel trilogies, and <laughs> and. You're uh, like- Oh yeah, and then um, so uh oh yeah, Yoda. We find Yoda. Um, what did you guys think of Yoda? Yeah. I mean, I I definitely was interested because it's something um you know like oh there's like gonna be this whole training going on you know mm-hmm. like we're gonna see Jedi powers you know and it was great. Mm-hmm. What did you think, Abby? Um, whenever I first watched the movie, I always found the training scenes with Yoda very boring, <laughs> because I, my, my little seven-year-old brain didn't understand the concept of nuance and philosophy, Yeah. so everything just kind of went over my head, but again, as I've grown older, I've I've garnered a great appreciation for the training themes and learning more about the uh, the philosophies of the Jedi and yeah. all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so what philosophies did you learn while watching the training scene? The, uh, the entire concept of how the Jedi don't or aren't supposed to actually fight. They, they are meant to protect and keep the peace. And yeah, the, oh my goodness! It's been a while since I watched Empire Strikes Back. Granted, so I don't, I can't remember everything like off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, there. Uh, yeah. Oh, also learning more about like the Force, like how it's like this um, omnipresent, like not necessarily being, but this thing that just kind of exists in all living things is is pretty cool. How like everything is the Force, and the Force is everything. Yeah. Pretty, pretty neat concept in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely another thing too. Whenever they start explaining the Force, that's very interesting. Yeah. Is that a religion you can get behind, Ruby? <laughs> yeah. Jedi. Okay. Well, there are some people who do uh, practice it as a religion in real life. <laughs> yeah. With lightsabers and everything. I don't know about that. Uh, do they do they do last one? I was just looking at this video on YouTube, and there's one that says ten reasons why the Jedi were messed up. Okay, let's hear it. Do you want to hear it, Abby? Oh yeah, totally. Okay, let's hear it. Who's this kid? Who's this guy? Yeah. Well, oh, they can't have sex. What's up with that? <laughs> Ah, well, that's okay. Um, 
we can go uh, about like the corruption and the the thing about the Jedi Council in a bit once we get into yeah. the prequels. Uh, so, oh, also there was that one scene in the Dagobah training where Luke sees Darth Vader, and then he's like, oh, "I'm gonna chop your head off," and he chops his head off, and then it ends up underneath the mask. It's actually Luke's own head. Ah. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think that means? Well, obviously, duh. We knew him in the Bell's father. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But we know that now. Yeah. Um, it could also mean that Luke it might also end up having the same fate as his father. He might also end up going into the dark side. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's how I always... Well, not always, but that's how I take that scene now is, um, is Luke facing his own darkness. Yeah. And, and uh, that is one, one thing that I find really interesting about, like, the entire training sequence in Empire Strikes Back is I think a lot of people forget that Luke actually fails his training. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, really hard. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. um, he leaves to go help Solo. Ugh. I don't need no stinking training. Yeah, and um, oh man, I was gonna say something, but um, oh yeah, it might also. I highly doubt this was intentional, but you can argue that it might uh, foreshadow very loosely his personality in the in the sequel trilogy, how he becomes like a an old shell of a man, very yeah. distrustful. Very uh, distrustful of the Jedi and everything. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, kind of like how um, his uh, father, Anakin, was very, like, distrustful of the Jedi Council. And now Luke right. is very distrustful of, of Jediism as a whole. Yeah. yeah, and now he just wants everything to just... The Jedi was just to go away. Um... So, what did you guys think? Oh, yeah, and this is the film with the very famous, what is known as the one of the biggest plot twists ever, that Luke is actually Vader's son. Yeah, it ends that way, but he, he's still not sure because he asked um, Yoda in the next film before he dies, and, you know, he confirms it, and he tells Luke about Leia as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what did you guys think about when when you first heard that plot twist? Um, I, I thought it was, I mean, it was definitely a twist. I was definitely surprised by it. What about, what about you, Abby? Um, I wish I could remember what I, I initially thought. Um, I, I can't remember my exact thoughts regarding the plot twist, but I know as a whole, my mind was completely blown by that movie, even more so than A New Hope. So I want to say that I was completely blown away by yeah. that twist ending. <laughs> or that, that, not a twist ending, but a twist. Yeah. I know when Lucas was writing the script, he purposefully uh, wrote in like a fake, uh, 
a fake dialogue uh, exchange between Luke and Vader for that scene to only replace it with the with the I'm your father line later on um, and he yeah. wanted yeah, and when uh, James Earl Jones, the person who played Darth Vader, well, the voice at least, was reading it, he was like, this is a lie. This can't be true. But it was, because search in your heart and you know it to be true. Right, Abby? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and then... <laughs> do you do you think Luke might have took up Vader on his offer to rule the galaxy as father and son? No, no? Don't. you don't I, think so. I think I think Luke is too idealistic. Okay. <laughs> so, and also in this film, we get to be introduced to one Calrissian, comma Lando. Oh, Lando! Yeah, we first see Lando here. Yeah. And he is known as like the the traitor, the Cassius, the Brutus of the film. But he ends up, you know, winning them over again. But, yeah, yeah. He, he ends up letting them go. Yeah. And then he was forced to cooperate. Yeah. Yeah, I was not uh, expected to see the whole plot twist of him uh, betraying Solo and Leia on Cloud City. Oh, <laughs> I thought that was. Mm-hmm. And I think in this film, we also get to be introduced to Boba Fett, even though we don't hear his name. We never hear his name in the entire trilogy, but uh, that's when yeah. we get to introduce to him, uh, who is he's considered no, to be... Why do you hear his name in the prequel? Huh? You hear his name in the prequel trilogy. trilogy. Well, you hear his dad's name, uh, Jango Fett. No, the... he calls him Boba. He calls him, he says Boba. Oh yeah, Boba. that's true. That's true. We actually don't. He doesn't officially get his name until the until the very infamous holiday special that came out, which finally reveals his name to be Boba Fett. Um, actually, oh. um, actually, that was the origin of his character because the holiday special actually came out before Empire Strikes Back, and. They, they put him into Empire Strikes Back because he had such a uh, positive reaction from the fans. Ooh. Wow, I didn't know that. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. See, that's why you're on the podcast, because you're the expert. So, uh, uh, yeah, so what did we think about uh, Lando in this film? Do we like him? Do we not like him? Do we think he's a scumbag for betraying them? Do we? Does he need to be forgiven? Why? Because he's black. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> Why would we even say that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Okay, what, what about no, you, Abby? Other than the fact that he, you know, betrayed them or whatever, like nothing else, like in, in the other scenes, like really stood out to me. Other than, you know, I think really he was more impactful in the next movie. Too, yeah. What do you think? I like Lando, period. Yeah. I really like the Lando movie that just came out recently with Childish Gambino, but I'm saying, like, this is a particular film. Yeah. 
What yeah. Are, yeah. What about you, Abby? Oh yeah, no, I I totally agree with what she said. <laughs> okay. That's like this is like my exact thought. <laughs> All right, awesome. Uh, and also, I know that um, in Stranger Things, some show that no one likes. Uh, what? <laughs> it's. Take that back right now. I take it back. Um, it is. It is used. Lando is used as like the traitor in Wolf yeah. in the Sheep and Wolf closing. And I don't remember which character. Uh, Dustin. Dustin. Yeah. Dustin is always the one that was like Yeah, um, who is he? Who is he calling Orlando in the show? Uh, Hopper. He's saying that Hopper is working with the government when they're first trying to contact them because they don't know who to trust anymore. Okay. Yeah. How are we talking about Stranger? Th- We're always talking about Stranger Things. Oh, oh, there he is. There she is. Okay. Awesome. Uh, Abby. Looks good. It's the uh, next installment of the Stranger Things um, Dark Force comics. Very uh, cool. It's going to be focused more on a number six. There's a number six. Is it number six? Like the yeah. like eleven is six? Yeah. See, that's supposed to be the power right Okay. And six, what is her power again? Oh, that's interesting. That's what I love about the comics, and the comics always gives you something more that you do not see on the show. That is true. Yeah, because Star Wars did a lot of that with the comics, right? They had a a Finn backstory, and they had a a Poe backstory. Yeah. Yeah. So, we're going back to Star Wars. We're going to move on to the conclusion of the original trilogy, uh, re- uh, Return of the Jedi. Now, the thing about Return of the Jedi is that it's very, very bland and impersonal, and it's kind of like the, the stepchild of the trilogy. So we're just gonna talk, say what our our general thoughts is on it, and we'll just move on. Uh, so what do we think about uh, Return of the Jedi? No. No, 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 no. Abby, where'd you go? Oh, I got disconnected. You got disconnected? Yeah, hold on. Let me, let me try to reset. Okay. You don't know this song, I... and you listen to Biggie and Tupac and all of them. What, who is it by? Oh, there you are. You're back. Okay, there you go. Okay, okay. who is it by? Mark Morrison. Oh, sorry. I only listen to good, good music. Okay. Very cool. Okay. So, uh, what did you think about um, Return of the Jedi besides that it reminds you of a song? No, let Abby go. Uh, Abby, what do you think? Um, it's definitely... Well, I, I have really mixed feelings on it, honestly. There's things that I really, really like about it and also things that I really don't like about it. Yeah. I think... The first act and the third act are pretty 
pretty strong, and the third act is arguably the strongest third act out of the three original movies. Mm-hmm. But the the in between in between Jabba's Palace and the final showdown on Endor is just kind of like just bland, kind of unforgettable. Nothing really happens of interest, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, I don't know. It's just it's a very mixed mixed bag for me. Alright, now what are, what are some of the things that you didn't like about the film, besides the uh, the weakness of the second act? Um, let me think. It's been a while since I've seen this movie too, mm-hmm. so I, I have to remember like everything that happened in it. Yeah. Um, I, I did not like this character. That is one thing that I can say for sure. Um, he comes across as very like Haughty, uh, holier than thou kind oh, yeah. of thing. Like he's he's kind of this brash like uh, kid throughout this the trilogy, and then suddenly he comes back in this one, and he's like, "Yes, I am a Jedi, and I am like better than all of these kind of things." <laughs> yeah. and it's just like he's like, "I am a Jedi Knight now. I am cool and better than everyone, right?" Even though I never completed my training. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So, and uh, what did you guys think about Slave Leia in this film? Oh, do you want to talk about Slave Leia? Yes. <laughs> okay, so uh, you tell us what you felt about Slave Leia without drooling. She gets a thumbs up. Carrie Fisher, yeah. rest in peace. Yeah. Remember, remember that Jesus watching you. Yeah, he's behind me. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, what about? I thought that outfit, like that costume. I mean, it's iconic. It's fucking iconic, and only she could wear it, and she wore it well, and she was like legendary. Like Mm -hmm. you know, definitely ripped Carrie Fisher. It was it was all over the promotionals and the box art and everything. Oh yeah, because they know that that sells. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What do you think, Abby? Um. Again, I have mixed feelings about it on one hand she's like she's really hot so I'm oh, like snap. <laughs> oh yeah man but on the other hand I don't really like how it's basically used as the most iconic of her outfits oh. like other than her episode 4 outfit it, it's kind of frustrating that she's uh, her like second most iconic outfit is like this very heavily sexualized outfit when that's like not really her character at all. No, but it never was. The one who put who put that on her was was Jabba the Hutt. Like you know, Leia wouldn't be wearing no shit like that. Like you know, from yeah. the very beginning when you see her in a new home, you know she she's always dressed classy, always dressed nice. And I I I know that it sucks that it was made an iconic. An iconic uh, outfit, but really she has others too that are iconic. They were just introduced like after that. I think the, the, yeah. the very like mention, you know, because she's like older. So like when we see her in you know the other films, you know, we're like, whoa, you know, like she looks really awesome. Mhm. All right. So moving on from Return of the Jedi. Okay. So the Rebels win. Yay! Peace is restored to the galaxy. Darth Vader is done. The Emperor is dead. Um, hooray, hurrah, hurrah. Um, 
Now we're going to go even further back in time with the oh, prequels. Wait, huh? Are we not Before we do that, can, can I add an amendment? Yeah, what was going on, Abby? Um, I just want to say really quick that um, I know people really like to show them the special editions of the original trilogy, but I have to say I highly, highly, highly commend George Lucas for replacing the Ewok celebration at the end of Return with the Victory celebration yeah. because it is so much stronger as a musical piece and it's like it makes the ending so much more powerful and emotional and uh, it's one of my favorite tracks in the entire like Star Wars soundtrack and I out of all the bad that came out of the special editions that was like a very very good thing and it's so much better than Ewok Celebration yeah. I just wanted to get that out there. <laughs> I also I love that piece. Yeah, I also really liked the um, Anakin Force Ghost using the same actor from the prequels. I forgot his name. Um, Hayden Christensen. Christensen, yeah. When they used yeah. Christensen as a Force Ghost, I thought that was really cool. That's what I thought she was, she was talking about. I was glad that they did that because then it did, did not make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, that was kind of How are we not going to talk about the Mm -hmm. And that's so important because that also plays into Kylo Ren's character. You know, he was just like him, you know. Uh, in a way, you know, they're both, you know, the same where they they were turned to the dark side. Yeah. And you see that uh, Darth Vader, you know, kills Palpatine, yeah. you know, because he didn't want Luke to die. Yeah, and, and he, he was still the chosen movie. one. And that he's like just a, a like a a shriveled up person and not such a big baddie as everyone thought in the inside. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. And then Luke is like, "I'm I will save you from the dark side, father." And then when his nephew has an inkling of joining the dark side, he's like, "Time to die." Da 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 da. But anyway. Yeah. So, moving on after that, okay, everyone's happy. Yay. Um, yeah, uh, I like the happy ending. Because it's a happy ending for Luke, Leia, and Han. Yeah. Know, like, oh, you know, you think nothing else could go wrong. Yeah. And yeah. But so we thought. Um, but before we get on that, we're going to look into the origin story of the great Darth Vader in episode Uno. That means one. Yes. And this one, we're going to focus in episode one, The Phantom Menace. Uh, we follow the a younger, like, an, like a 20-something-year-old Obi-Wan Kenobi and his master, Qui-Gon Jinn, played by Liam Neeson. And Obi-Wan is played by Ewan McGregor. Yeah, Ewan McGregor, yeah. Um, yeah. And... It's just, it, we basically see how they meet Anakin 
and we finally learned that he was actually born into slavery. Um, and we see how even when he was presented to the council, they were like, eh, we got some mixed feelings about yeah. him, bro. And then they still went with the training. Yeah, it kind of makes me feel a little sad about that because um, they believe, because he was born into slavery and nobody really cared for him except for his mother. And when the one person who believed in him, which was Obi-Wan, he presented him to the council and the council was like, uh, and they didn't even want him. But it wasn't. It wasn't Obi Wan that presented him to the council. It was Qui Gon. Qui Gon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Really he was the one that was pushing for it, and Obi Wan was like, eh, I don't know, maybe we should send him to the council. But yeah. Qui Gon died, and then Obi Wan felt like he owed it to him. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Abby, you, I know that uh, a lot of people don't like the prequels. What do you have to say to that? Um, my opinion on the prequels is actually pretty controversial. I actually like the prequels more than the original trilogy. <gasps> now, that's not... That's not... Oh, shit. I have just lost... Connection again. Here, hold up. Let's okay. Let's connect real quick. <laughs> But as I'm saying that, um, I want to clarify to say that's not that I necessarily think that the prequels are better made, but I personally like, I personally like them better. I think he's and, Christian. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you like that? Do you think he's a dream boat? Yeah, totally. Oh snap. <laughs> Um, I don't know. He comes across really creepy in the films, though. Well, yeah, because that's um, how he that's how he turned. He turned that way, like like he he's always been in love with Padme. But really creepily, though, he's like, I have seen you in my dreams, milady. <sighs> yeah, he's uh, very he's very insulty in episode two. That's for sure. Yeah. I don't think he really comes off that way in episode three, but episode two is, yeah. Yeah. So. Because he he's like, he he he's been shut down like as a Jedi to never feel this. You know, he's they're like you're not supposed to fall in love. Like he can't talk about it to anybody. Yeah. So literally when yeah. he tells her he's like pouring these emotions out that he's not been able to talk to about with anybody else. So. Yeah. yeah. And the thing about uh, Phantom Menace is Lucas finally regains the reins of the Star Wars films because uh, Return of the Jedi and An Empire Strikes Back were both made by two different people that were not Lucas. Um, yeah. And this time Lucas is back on the director's chair making Star Wars movies. And uh, how do you think that return, return to... Uh, form handled with the franchise especially in this first bit um there's a there's a very popular sentiment amongst Star Wars fans that I very heavily agree with that Lucas is really good at coming up with ideas but yeah. he's not as good at executing them and uh, that really does come across in the prequel trilogy where like there's the ideas there and the, the settings and the concepts are really, really strong, but just the, the execution is kind of lacking. And I think 
that if Lucas had someone there to like rein him in more, as he did in the original trilogy, mm-hmm. it could have been a lot, a lot better. <laughs> yeah, um, and especially with the the rise of CGI, which came out, and he just went all over the place with CGI. Yeah, well, this this is one of the reasons why I love it too. Why I love the prequel trilogy like actual sound effects that don't I mean sound effects you have to get to see like effects like that look real <laughs> I don't know about that I don't know if it looks that real well it was better I mean think about it you go from seeing these shitty ass like film, uh, you know effects I don't to, know I find them very charming I mean look you go from freaking uh, there's like a 16 year gap in, in you know effects you know mm-hmm. that was definitely much better. Yeah. And uh, and also we f- we learned that the Force is actually just little particles called midichlorians. What do we think about that? Um, I think that that's actually something that Star Wars or people that watch Star Wars misconstrues a lot too is that um, the Force is midichlorians which actually isn't quite the case. The midichlorians aren't the force, it's just they're a an organism that denotes force potential. Does oh, that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, I got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. See, you're teaching us. She's on the show for a reason. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, also the thing about the prequel trilogy is that it does have a lot of references to uh, Greek literature and uh, Judeo-Christianity, um, namely uh, English Renaissance literature, uh, specifically the Milton novel Paradise Lost, where uh, Lucifer was uh, cast out into the uh, into hell and tries to reclaim everything. Uh, tries to overthrow God and all that kind of stuff, which is kind of reminiscent to how Anakin wants to uh, overthrow the Jedi Council and also potentially also the Emperor for a brief minute. Um, And it was also kind of like that and also kind of uh, references Homer's The Iliad, where uh, namely the character of Achilles where Achilles is like this uh, ep- this super high up general and he thinks he's better than everyone else but ends up that his uh, his uh, cockiness is his downfall when he gets uh, shot in an arrow with a heel uh, similar to how Anakin uh, also believes that he is you know better than everyone on the Jedi Council and uh, that ended up being his uh, downfall as well. Do you agree with that, Abby? To a degree. <gasps> to a degree. <laughs> Why? What? Yeah. What? Okay. What's the degree that you don't agree with? Um, I don't think that he necessarily thought that he was better than everyone else. You know. Okay. Um, he did think that he was like one of the most powerful, like, he did obviously, like, think very highly of himself, but yeah. at the same time, it was kind of granted because he was 
Um, he was very strong in the force, and he was a very powerful, like, he was a very good pilot, and he yeah. was very good in combat. Um, I think... Hold on, I need to, uh, collect my thoughts a bit. Yeah. Um... I think the, the biggest... One of the biggest things of his downfall is that he couldn't accept that he can't save everyone. Yeah. He can't save... Yeah. That was, that was one of his biggest things, and you can kind of see that throughout, especially in episodes two and three, that he's, like, obsessed with trying to save everyone, and, like, they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and his intentions were good, and they just ended up getting more and more corrupted for various reasons that we'll get into later, I'm sure. Yeah, and then, um... Also, the intensity of the love that he had for Padme. Yeah. Now, that played a big role in his Yeah. Because he was very afraid that he was going to lose Padme in childbirth or whatever. Because he, he has that dream that uh, Padme is suffering and dying. And that really freaked him out. And that's what kind of drove him into the dark side and everything. Yeah. And so, uh, in my opinion, what, in your opinion, what do you think ultimately drove Anakin to become Darth Vader? What, what made him go to the dark side? Um, it's kind of a, it's kind of an example of the perfect storm. There's like, there's so many things coming together that eventually drove him to where he ended up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was in his ear with that, and then he was having issues with um, Obi-Wan as well. And just, you know, like she said, it was just a, 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 a lot of stuff that finally just drove him there. Yeah. Uh, like, when he was first admitted into the, I, uh, into the Jedi Council, but not granted the rank of Master, he... Uh, well, he first of all, he found he felt really cheated about that, and then yeah. uh, when he learned the inner workings of the Jedi Council, he learned that wow, these people are kind of these people are kind of corrupt. They're not not documenting things properly. They're doing things under the table, uh, yeah. and all yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's the thing. He was he was like maybe you know you know this point of view that he had was that maybe you know there wasn't really a a good side. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And he just really loved Padme and wanted to be with her. Yeah. And then there was the Emperor, who, well, the guy who became the Emperor, uh, who was the only person who seemed to be, I suppose, honest with him, but ended up just using him to right. get what he wanted, to basically strong arm the Jedi. But he, that's why he kind of gravitated toward Palpatine, was because he felt like he was the only one who trusted him. And that and that's probably the reason. Uh, do, what do you think, Abby? Oh yes, definitely. Yeah. And there's, um, especially in episode three, there's, uh, there's a part that I don't think a lot of people really notice or talk about that really, really illustrates why he, especially 
in the confrontation between Palpatine and Mace Windu why he chose to attack Mace Windu as, as opposed to letting him finish Palpatine off. So at the very beginning of the movie, whenever they're um, going to rescue Palpatine from Dooku, um, Anakin defeats Dooku and he has the two lightsabers at his neck, right? Yeah. And um, Duke, or Palpatine says the words, or wait, no, <laughs> hold on, I gotta get the series of, of events in order. So Palpatine pressures him into killing Dooku, and Anakin gives in and executes him. And as soon as he does, he goes, I shouldn't have done that. It's not the Jedi way. And Palpatine replies with, he was too dangerous to be kept alive. And I think Anakin kind of internalized that and was like, okay, well, yeah, maybe, but that wasn't the Jedi way. And then you fast forward to whenever Mace Windu and Palpatine are fighting and Anakin is having this internal conflict of choosing between the people that he thinks are right and then, or like the good guys basically, and then the person that will help him save his wife. And, um, and as Mace Windu is about to execute Palpatine, Anakin stops, tries to stop him. He's like, I need him. And Mace Windu says he's too dangerous to be kept alive. Which, as you remember, Anakin had already noted that is not the Jedi way. And in that point in time, he realizes that there is basically no difference between this, these two people that are in front of him right now, except that one of them is promising to help him save his wife, and the other one won't give a shit. Yeah. And that's like... <laughs> That's, I think, one of the biggest reasons that he decided to go with Palpatine. Okay, yeah. And uh, so what did you guys think about Anakin's journey into becoming... Oh, hmm? yeah, and then that was, there was another thing that he did where he killed all those kids. Oh, yeah, when he killed the younglings. Well, first, yeah, and then first he kills all those kids and, and women, um, you know, at that tribe where they had killed his mom, yeah. remember? Yeah, not just the men, but the women and the children too, right? Yeah, so he, he slaughtered everybody in there. And then later on, whenever he finally, you know, is under under Palpatine and Palpatine instructs him to go kill all of the remaining Jedi who are like kids in training and he goes and he slaughters all of the kids in training yeah. too. So it's like he was he was like definitely dark side. Yeah. Yeah. So he so to make sure that the Jedi way doesn't survive through the next generation. Um there is this story on set where when Ewan McGregor was uh delivering the line, he killed the younglings, he put his arm his hand up against his mouth and apparently it's supposed to show that according to the story that he was trying not to laugh when he said the, when he yeah. said the line. He's like, he killed the younglings. Sometimes you don't know why you get the giggles on set, bro. Like, it's happened to me. Like, we're saying lines, and it's like lines that I've already said, and there's nothing funny about them, but you just get the giggles on set. Yeah. Like, I don't know why. But I don't know. It's, it's, it's a funny story that kind of adds to it. Um, yeah. So also... What another uh, thing that Lucas wanted to uh, tell in the in the portrayal of the prequels was how a republic could become a totalitarian government, and how fascism could come arise. Uh, 
Like, and he would explain how when Hitler became the Fuhrer and when Mussolini became uh, the leader of the Italian Empire and how Franco came into power, they, it wasn't through uh, a lot of uh, blood loss or extremely violent ways. The same thing with Napoleon, it was basically kind of given to them. They were voted on them by the people. Same thing with Stalin as well. Uh, and Castro, I don't know about Castro, but those guys. Uh, and it's kind of like mirrored in Star Wars as well, especially with that famous line that uh, Padme said, uh, so this is how democracy dies. With what? Thunderous applause. Thunderous applause, that's right. And it's yeah, kind of like we're going to that. Hmm? Oh, I was disagreeing with what you're saying. Go okay. <laughs> so what did you guys uh, think about how uh, Lucas told the story about how fascism could could become the main government over democracy? I think he did it well because he showed the main issue with that is the corruption. You know, he, he made it seem, you know, made, made the audience aware of how is and how it is done. Okay. Right. What do you think, Abby? I it's honestly one of my it's actually one of the biggest reasons that I prefer the prequels over the originals is the political conflict. Which I know is a reason that a lot of people don't like the prequels just because they're like, oh I don't want to watch like a bunch of space people discuss politics. I wanna watch people hit laser swords against each other but (laughs) i i i really enjoyed watching how palpatine manipulates he he originally creates like the conflict between naboo and the trade federation to get him in or to get the chancellor that is currently in power who is indeed corrupt out of power so that he can put himself into power and then use their um the separatist movement against the granted corrupt republic to again like take over power and everything like that and it's also a big reason that I love the Clone Wars cartoon is how they go into like the politics of everything and showing all the manipulation and corruption and everything that's going on in that and yeah I think it's really interesting and I loved watching it unfold yeah it's really it's really cool um, and it's because they show that they show like how it all began and how even though they're like you know out in the stars and outer space they're still trying to be like they're still for the people they're still a democracy they're still you know even though we're here on earth and we have you know political shit going on here they very much have it over there as well so it's kind of like you know something where we the audience could relate to Mm -hmm. yeah so after the journey of Darth vader and then all of a sudden the the uh the empire comes back and then the rebellion does their thing and then the empire kind of falls apart now we go into the sequel trilogy or what is uh released of it which because right now only two uh installments have been released as of recording um That's what people say just to be like, I'm smart. Um, 
break into that ship because the the standing commander uh, of their fleet had already like decided something else or whatever. I don't know. He said something about that. He's like, it is, that part did not make sense for them to go over there. They yeah. So, uh, Disney approached Lucas, and Lucas was, and Disney was like, "Hey, you want to give us Star Wars for a bajillion dollars?" And then he was like, "Sure, give us, give me the moolah." And this, this, this is a ten-year gap since the prequel trilogy that we were just talking about. Yes. Ten years later, they still making bank. Yeah. So, and then. And then we say the rise of a new titan, one by the name of Kathleen Kennedy and the Walt Disney Company. So the first one uh, we got to talk about is the first installment is The Force Awakens, which was made by one J.J. Uh, Abrams. And it was mostly made as like, it was marketed as like a return to form. It's gonna be not like the prequels, it's gonna be like the original trilogy, the way old Georgie would have wanted it. And he, I would I would say he really lived up to that promise. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I enjoy this trilogy very much so. I feel like, again, the, the you know, effects, the CGI effects are even way better than the other one so that was exciting to see um the costume design you know was spot on it, it still kept up you know with the other trilogy mm. um you know of course the music wasn't going to be hard because the other one they had to keep it the same um and the characters the characters the new characters that they introduced are i don't know to me they're refreshing you know i yeah. love ray i love finn i love poe yeah. I love uh, BB-8. Oh yeah, it's BB-8. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I love them. I love them. It's just, it's just the only thing that I don't like. I guess I'm sure you can guess. What? Kind of fucking bitch ass Ren. You don't like you, you don't like Ren. You don't like that he murdered Solo. I'm getting a little bitch. I don't like him. I'm like a bitch. All right, Abby. Do you like him? actually is my favorite of the new characters in this new trilogy. <laughs> my brother. My brother is like in love with Kylo Ren. He anytime, has a... that Adam Driver, anytime that Adam Driver's like on a movie, he's like, did you see Kylo Ren? And I'm like, that's not... <laughs> <laughs> he has a man crush on Ren. Alright. So... <laughs> Oh, snap. oh, we're back to Stranger Things. Oh, who would have thought? <laughs> so, uh, how'd you how'd you like about the Force Awakens returning to the returning to form in the old Star Wars films? Abby, um, I, I, there are things that I like about it and things that I don't. Um, I love the return to the use of practical effects. I think that they're going to as the years go on age much better than the the effects from the prequel trilogies, which have already aged pretty poorly in my opinion. Um, I do like 
the more gritty look of it as opposed to the the more clean look of the prequels, which I think the clean look of the prequels works really well for that series, but I think that the more gritty look in the sequel trilogy ties it in better with the original. Um, one thing I don't really like is that, um, it's, granted, Force Awakens is meant to be a soft reboot of the original trilogy, but I wish that they would be more um, kind of outgoing with the, the planets and the aliens. Like, because you see in of the original trilogy, of course, there's only like a select number of planets that they go to. There's like the desert planet, the snow planet, the, de the jungle planet, and uh, the forest planet, all that kind of stuff. But and then in the prequels, you have like all these different, like really interesting, cool looking designs. And then you go back to the sequel trilogy, and then you go back to having like the desert planet and the jungle planet and the salt planet that's totally like not the snow because it's salt you know yeah um not so that i don't like that planet but <laughs> um i do wish that they would be a little bit more outgoing the way they were in the prequel trilogy yeah um so, so you're saying that you think you hope the world building was a bit better yeah yeah because when abrams set out to make this film it was mostly supposed to be a love letter to the original trilogy he didn't want to put too much of his own style of it. He was basically kind of mimicking the styles of the filmmakers who made the original trilogy, namely right. um, uh, Kirshner, who's the guy who made The Empire Strikes Back. And uh, do you guys think that that kind of makes the film a little bit derivative? And do you wish that he kind of made it more stand on its own and not piggybacking off of the original trilogy? No, no, I think people would have been pissed if he would not have stuck with the trilogy. Yeah. To be honest. And I I really like this this uh, first introduction to this um, the ending the sequel trilogy because this is the first time that they show like the life of a of a trooper. Mm -hmm. You know, we can see what this, you know, this supposed stormtrooper, uh, you know, he's going rogue Mm -hmm. And they're they're letting they're let, they're letting the audience know that these are not just you know mind controlled stormtroopers and they have the ability to you know say no well not the ability because they get in trouble or whatever but I'm saying like they have someone who actually rebels against them and goes rogue and mm -hmm. starts you know helping out the good side. Right. So what do you guys um, think about Ray? Do we like Ray? Like her as a character. Uh, I think that she uh, works pretty well as a protagonist. Uh, I think she's very likable. She's really cute. Um, she, it is frustrating at times 
how like quote unquote like perfect she is uh, her level or like her power scaling doesn't really seem authentic mm-hmm. seeming as like she's able to do all these things that it took like years for the Jedi to learn but mm. at the same time by this point in the um, in the galaxy it is likely that it's already like known what kind of abilities the Jedi would do and like with her say using a mind uh, trick on the stormtrooper in The Force Awakens uh, without ever training to do that it is possible that she like read about that that was something the Jedi could do and they just kind of like tried it mm-hmm. but um, other than other than that, I think she's uh, I think she's pretty interesting, especially since at this point in time she's not related to like anyone in the um, like in the original trilogy and that kind of stuff. She's just kind of like this person that got pulled into everything on accident, and mm-hmm. she's not supposed to be there. Like unlike Luke, who was like. He was sure he was pulled in the same way, but it turned out he was like connected to everything. Whereas Ray is like completely separate, and she ended up pulling this, getting pulled into this. And her goal is to like find her place and everything. Yeah. And I really like that approach. Yeah. So you like you think it's better if she wasn't related to any of the main characters, but that she was just her own thing. Personally, yes. Um, it is, of course, a possibility that JJ has been a retcon that in episode 9 mm-hmm. and depending on how he goes about it I could be okay with it but at this point in time where it is now I am fully satisfied with her not being related to anyone right and um so I just wh- like that they got rid of Han too well I think it was more that he said Harrison Ford said he didn't want to play Han anymore yeah <laughs> is, is that true Abby Yes. Um, actually, Harrison Ford wanted Han to die in episode six. Ooh. And, yeah. 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 That he and, had been uh, trying to get Harrison, uh, Han Solo off, but it's like, why would you do that? Like, Han, Han is one of my favorites, and then, you know, stupid Kylo Ren goes and fucking murders him. Yeah. And it's so much <laughs> worse than that his dad. Yeah. So... so so and then you kill, I you know, like <laughs> Yes, Abby. Oh, I, I was just saying, yeah, on that part. I I cried my ass off in theaters, like. Oh. <laughs> I, I cried. I literally cried. Yeah. So that brings us to Ren. What do we think of Ren? Do we like him? Is he bad? Is he good? You already know how I feel. You think he's <laughs> the best, right? Okay, Abby, you like him. Why? Why do you like Ren? Um, I find him to be a very compelling character. As far as all of the new characters go, he's by far the one that has the strongest motivations and also like the most compelling conflict. Uh, I really like how he's trying to balance being this like he's trying to be Darth Vader, but he's very much not, yeah. <laughs> and, so, and you can especially see it whenever he first takes off the mask. Is that you like expect to be like this really tough, hard, like badass guy, but he's just kind of like this, this kind of like goofy-looking kid. And <laughs> yeah, um, that's why he's like, I, that's why I say like he's 
little whiny bitch, but that's how they portray him to be at the beginning. He's just like this child, this child, you know, like, he's a child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, yeah, he's very much, he's very much a man-child, but I, <laughs> I, I enjoy like, watching him, like, struggle. Did you guys see like, that undercover, and... undercover boss, that undercover boss SNL skit? Oh, yeah, with Driver, yeah, with driver playing Ren, yeah. Did you see it, Abby? Uh, oh, yes, I love that video. Yeah, it was pretty that funny. Was, it was so hilarious. That's, like, my only thing that I will watch with Kylo Ren in it. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, Ren, we don't like him. He's boo. Um, so. Oh, no, I love him. Oh, we love him. No, Yay. Like <laughs> so. I, just, I, I really like that in these movies and the sequel trilogy that they have that whole, that whole thing where they're, they're connected to each other, but in the end you find out that it was, uh, Snow So, but I like that they added that there because it was like something to question for the question, the audience question. Yeah. So that moves on to past the Force Awakens. Now we're gonna go into what is proven itself to be the most polarizing installment of the series, The Last Jedi, directed by one Ryan Johnson, which a lot of the Star Wars haters dubbed ruin johnson so yeah what do you do you think that nickname is justified um for a lot of people yes like i said my brother says that they messed it up they messed up that that movie and um whenever we talk about this next movie the third movie he's all like i hope they don't mess it up like they did this last one so they're always they're all saying also about those like the bombs when they're dropping like at the beginning i don't know what when it is, but there's like, uh, when they're fighting, there's like a ship that drops these balls, right? Yeah. Blow the next ship. Those are the bombs. But squad, then they're yeah. like, uh, what about gravity? Like, they wouldn't drop like that, you know, because they like drop straight down mm. from like a distance. Well, I do have to put this in here. Um, this isn't the first time that we've seen bombs dropped in space. There are high bombers in episode five. And you see them dropping bombs on the asteroid while they are chasing uh, the crew in the Millennium oh, Falcon. You just got yeah. schooled. No, I'm kidding. Like, I didn't think it was anything different. I, that was my brother, and I told him that I was like, it's sci-fi. Like, none of this stuff, first of all, really could happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it could, but like, we wouldn't. I like know, believable like stuff up. like laser swords and laser it's guns. Made up. Yeah, first of all, it's made up. So, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, Abby, do you think the nickname Ruin Johnson is justified? Personally, no. Okay. Um, people like to blame everything that they don't like about the new Star Wars on him, which I don't think is fair. Like, I've seen a lot of criticisms of, like, 
of being like, oh, well, we should have had, like, the whole original cast together, and it's all Drew and Johnson's fault that we didn't get that because he killed off Luke, but then it's like, um, JJ killed Han and, and Force Awakens before Ryan Johnson even, yeah. like, got a chance to do anything. Not to mention, like, Luke, there's no way that Luke is gone forever. Like, Luke is coming back. Force ghosts are very much a thing. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So, so um, I really, really like that they also, you know, gave us the backstory, the whole backstory of, of why Kylo Ren went to the dark side. Yeah. You know, the whole, and then why Luke is the way that he is now. Yeah. So I like that they showed that. Yeah. We actually, I know that there's a novel written called Bloodlines, which shows the inner workings of the Solo Skywalker family, uh, namely on how Ben became Ren and all that. Um, did you read that novel, uh, Abby? I actually haven't. Oh, I've been really bad about keeping up with the current expanded universe. You should probably get on that. Readings for losers. Why can't I just watch it? No, I'm not saying that it's for losers. I would love to have time to read, but that's what I'm saying. Who has time yeah. to sit down and read now? So you're saying reading is only for nerds and squares? I did not say that. Okay. <laughs> Don't put words in my mouth. Okay. So, um,. So how do we like Luke in this particular film? Because now he's no, now he's shown to be like this old, like this bitter shell of the person he used to be, like how we knew him in the original trilogy. I like. I honestly. Uh, oh no, you can go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh, wait, so, sorry. Go ahead, Abby. Sorry. Go ahead, Abby. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. Um, I actually quite like what Ryan did with his character. I found myself actually um, liking Luke as a character, which I haven't done since I was like a child. <laughs> um, I personally found Luke's character in the original trilogy fairly uninteresting, save for um, in Empire Strikes Back. But I, I really liked watching him be more of a an unconventional mentor figure and seeing him be embittered and critical of the the Jedi teachings and everything like that. And I, I thought it was a pretty interesting interesting way to, to go about it. Yeah. What what were you gonna say about it, Abby? What? What were you gonna say about Luke's character? Oh, you said Abby. Oh sorry. I meant Ruby. Milk. Up and Ray gave him hope again, you know? Yeah. 
Um, in this one, we kind of learn how his perspective of the Jedi really changed, and how much how much a person could change in the course of three decades from when we saw him last. Because now he's really like he used to be like really full of hope, but now he's hopeless. And now Ray came in and helped him out, came and helped him out of the slump. And then there's that whole idea of uh, Yoda coming in, destroying the sacred texts, and saying, "Hey, man, you can't be so far up your own butt all the time. Like, yeah. let go of just the all this Yoda. nonsense." Yoda was the one that came around. He's the master that comes to slap anyone around whenever they be acting crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, the thing about this film, which I think a lot of people disliked about it, is that Ryan Johnson did the opposite approach what Abrams did and basically made it his own film instead of just relying on the uh, style of the other films. And I think that what made a lot of people angry about it. And this film is really, it's very artistic and very uh, handcrafted by Johnson um, using his own style. And... He, he, was, he constantly alludes to the fact that maybe we should not focus so much on the past. We should probably focus on this new, fo- new thing. And maybe, you should, maybe the fans should probably not be so caught up on what Star Wars used to be and what it could be. And give it room to grow and become a new thing. What do you guys think? I hope they do that with Stranger Things and they don't fucking end it in season 5 or 4. Okay. What do you think, Abby? Yeah, I actually, I really like his approach to that. Um, I I definitely agree that, or I thought it was a stronger approach than Abrams because I thought Abrams was a good way to reintroduce the series while pleasing the most people as possible. Mm-hmm. But I, I I don't know I just I found Brian's approach a lot more compelling. Yeah. Who's gonna be directing this next one? Abrams. Abrams. Yeah. It was originally supposed to be Trevorrow, who is the guy who made Jurassic World. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know what happened. I guess Ke- uh, Kennedy was like, "Get out of here! Bring Abrams back in." Do you know why that happened, Abby? Uh, I don't actually. I'm oh not no. I kind of I kind of like the idea of the each installment being made by three different people, but um, I guess we're gonna have to see what Abrams does. Um, yeah, I was, I was excited that if, you know that they would have you know different directors in each movie, each of the three movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you think they're gonna they're gonna go? This is like the end, right? This is like the end of the end. This last movie, other than the little spin-offs that they yeah. have, right? It's gonna be the end of the Skywalker saga. Is that right? Right. Yeah. So, um, the last bit I want to talk about the sequel trilogy is Snoke. What do we think about Snoke? Um, Yeah. As what, far as like visually. Yeah. So what do you think, Abby? I can, with what Johnson did with Snoke, I honestly 
think that was the best thing he could have done with the character and to put the uh, the, the, char- the remaining living characters in a more interesting place. Um, I don't really like the concept of Snoke that much, especially the way that uh, Abrams introduced him, because he's basically just like another emperor kind of thing, except mm-hmm. he's like, oh, he's like even more powerful, and he built an even bigger Death Star kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, quite frankly, I'm kind of glad that he's dead, just because it puts the galaxy in a much more tumultuous place for episode 9, whereas instead of it being like just another emperor that's in charge for the final showdown, you have this like very conflicted, unstable, and not very well-liked leader in charge of the First Order now, and I feel like that'll be a lot more interesting to watch go down as opposed to having just like the traditional big, bad, evil guy in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, because a lot of people are afraid that Snoke was going to become the next, uh, just another Emperor, and Rand was just going to become another Vader. Um, uh, what do you guys think about the possibility of the Emperor returning for the Rise of Skywalker? What Emperor? The, the Emperor, the bad guy from the last the two trilogies. I thought, uh, wait, which one was the Emperor? I thought Snoke was the only one. Well, he's dead now, but now he's, now there, people are thinking that, uh, the Emperor from the original trilogy is coming back. Yeah, that guy. The only reason why they're saying that is because of that whole, uh, the teaser trailer that came out. Mm -hmm. Where that person is laughing at the end. So it's like, it's kind of like insinuating that that's Palpatine, but I don't know. I don't think that they would. Oh, really? What do you think, Abby? You you think uh, Ren and Ray are totally gonna smash? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, Abby says yes. She said yes. I hope that I do hope. I mean, I would like it for, and only because I know my brother would hate this, but I would like it for for Kylo to really like fall in love with Ray, and mm. like for him to like give up everything on the dark side for her, or for her to like. Well, that would be very romantic. I'm just like, peace, man. No fighting. Yes. And then it reveals that Ray is actually Luke's daughter. <gasps> they were cousins the whole time. <laughs> no. Uh, no. So, um, so, yeah. So, now we're going to have a lightning round. Ten minutes to discuss about the spinoffs that happened. Uh, starting with uh, Rogue One. What do we think about Rogue One? By uh, Gareth Edwards. What do we think about it? We're doing a lightning round? How about this a lightning round? We're going to talk about each one of the ones that have came out? Yeah, we're just going to say what we think about it and then we're moving on. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Are we Yeah. Okay. Um, I really like the concept. I think that if 
they had there hadn't been so much studio interference and Edwards was able to just do his original vision, it would have come out a lot stronger. I really liked how he was trying to take it much more closer to reality and very much more warlike. Um, I think the reshoots that you can clearly tell he was forced to do kind of make it totally awkward um, because you have like this really dark, um, very realistic, pretty war setting mixed with like these like lighthearted jokes thrown in everywhere and it makes it kind of awkward but overall I really enjoyed the movie and I really love the ending because I'm I, <laughs> I'm evil and I like watching everyone die so, <laughs> <laughs> so I really I enjoyed that um, yeah those are those are my basic thoughts on the movie okay so what do you think Ruby Yeah, um, I thought it was really cool because Gareth Edwards, um, he's the guy who made uh, Godzilla, and he's actually really good at making things to scale. Like you can see how big something is. Like when yeah. you see the uh, AT-ATs walking down the beach, and you see how huge it is, and you see the Death Star, and we see that's super huge, yeah. and we get to see like the the massiveness of what the Empire uh, was. And it was it was very like a lot grittier. You could say it's more reminiscent to like Vietnam War movies. It looks a lot like yeah. like a platoon film. Um, yeah. And uh, and it, I thought it was I thought it was really really cool because it's a new it's a new seeing Star Wars in a new light and it's a really cool light, especially when we get reintroduced to Darth Vader for the first time in a long time. It was really yeah. cool seeing him. Hey, hey, Abby. You don't want to. Yeah. You don't want to choke on your aspirations. <laughs> <laughs> high five. Yeah, boy. Ruby, give me a high five. High five. Okay. Now I we're going to. Huh? Oh. What were you going to say, um, Abby? I just sure want to say really quick. I know a lot of people like complained about that one-liner from Vader, they're like, oh, that's, well, Vader would never say something like that, but I honestly really liked that moment. I thought it was very reminiscent of Anakin. Like, that's so something Anakin would do, especially if you've watched the Clone Wars series. Mm -hmm. he's, he's so sassy, and he's, like, kind of sadistic like that. Well, he'll, he'll, like, fuck someone up and say, like, a, a one-liner about it, and be, like, very much like, hey, fuck you. I... Yeah. I I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah, because he still has that consistent personality throughout the films and shows. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to Solo, the production disaster that is Solo, where the original filmmakers, Lord and Miller, were fired because Kennedy didn't think it was Star Wars enough, and then they got in Ron Howard. So how do we think about Solo? I don't think they did a good job casting that. Yeah. The thing about 
Einrich, it, it's a very difficult job because he's trying to be Han Solo before the uh, the events of the original Star Wars, and he's trying to he's trying to act him the way Harrison Ford would act him. So he's trying to mimic the the uh, body movements and the speech patterns of another person playing another character. So that that's really hard to do, and I don't know. I don't think it really successfully made it through, especially when when you have all this, especially with under two different directors as well. Yeah, I feel like the writing had a big part in that as well. Um, like I, I, after some time, it took me a minute to get used to him and to be like, okay, yeah, I can, I can see him as Han. Like you just kind of, I had to like very much see like consciously, like yes, this is Han. Like I didn't buy it right away, but so the way he was written, I think. It, played a big role in it, making it hard to buy him as Han as well, because they wanted to do this thing where it was like, oh, he's like a scoundrel, but he has a heart of gold kind of thing, but it was like, that's his arc in episode four, so like, it's kind of weird watching him go through like the same arc that he goes through in episode four again or like at the same time and it's like it would have i in my opinion it would have been easier to buy him as han i think if he had kind of the opposite arc where he started out as like this kind of how he did in the beginning of the movie where he's like this bright-eyed kid that shit out of luck but like he's trying to um <laughs> like get out and everything and then like along the way like more and more stuff kept, keeps happening to him to him to make him more cynical and disillusioned and everything to the point where he's like, okay, fuck all you guys, I'm not for myself kind of thing. Yeah. And you don't really get to see that in this movie. Yeah, I think that the film would have worked a lot better if they did that route instead. It would have made a lot more yeah, sense, too. I didn't enjoy um, the Han movie as much as I thought I did. Like, I really enjoyed the Lando movie and the Rogue One movie. No, in Solo, it like how Rogue One it was supposed to be like a war spy thriller. Um, Solo was supposed to be a western, and it kind of you do see the resemblance of a western in in there as well, and you do kind of buy it's a western. Um, and what do we what do we think about uh, Chewbacca's role in in Solo? Oh, that's Mm-hmm. Of course, you're interested in that. Who is it? It's Chewbacca. Yeah. Abby, did you like Solo's Chewbacca? I did, actually. I liked how, um, if you read, like, the original extended universe that is no longer canon, it's actually the way he meets Chewie is vaguely reminiscent of that. In the original canon, he did actually meet Chewie as a slave in the Empire, and he freed him, and that's why Chewie like promised him a life set, which I like how they kind of kept with that. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. All right. Uh-huh. Uh, any last words about Star Wars before we sign off? No, because we gotta go. All right. And <laughs> so this this concludes our Star Wars discussion. I think it was really... Thank you for joining us, Abby. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this.
Yeah, I think it was really awesome talking about Star Wars with you. You really know your stuff, and this makes it really awesome to discuss it with you. Yay, have fun. Yay, Star Wars. All right, I've been Nathaniel Avila. That's been Ruby Rodriguez, and we've been joined with the wonderful Abby McTabby. So, all right, air hug, Abby. Yeah. I can't see, but I'm there hugging you too. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye.